L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey everyone, this is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And today I'm here not with a regular episode, but with a bonus. You see, recently I appeared on an episode of the podcast Next Door Villain with Joe and Tiana, and we talked about Medusa, because why on earth would I pass up the chance to talk about Medusa? What was really fun about this is that it was really conversational and we just really had a discussion about her, which is something I don't really get to do on my own podcast. So it was really fun. And today I'm going to give you guys the episode to listen to in this feed. If you liked it, you should really go subscribe to Next Door Villain and take a look at the rest of the episodes they have to offer. I started listening to them by checking out their episode on Tammy 2 from Parks and Rec because what an awesome character and why not listen to a discussion about her? Anyway, check them out, Next Door Villain. You can find them wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you'll also see a link to their show in the show description for this episode. So, without further ado, here's the episode. Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Tiana. And this is Next Door Villain. A podcast where we uncover the villains to discover their humanity. Hey everyone, welcome to Next Door Villain. I'm Tiana. I'm Joe. And this week we're talking about your favorite mythological villain, Medusa. 
Yes, a very hair-raising villain, and we hope to have very awesome hair-raising thoughts and ideas, and this is going to be a great episode because we have a special guest with us today. We'd like to introduce Liv from the podcast Let's Talk About Myths, Baby. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. and So happy to. Yeah, and for bestowing your knowledge upon our episode here. We are internally grateful for you being here with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah, and Liv's podcast is pretty great. I've been listening to it. She talks about different Greek myths and even relates some of them to real life, which is very cool. Um, it's Let's Talk About Myths, Baby. And I got to admit, every time I read your name on Facebook or on Spotify, when I read it in my head, I'm always like, let's talk about Miss Baby. Let's talk about you and me. Yeah. It's good. It's what I want from it. Yeah. I've gotten myself into, I have to sing it every time now. Yeah. (laughs) You might as well too. (laughs) It's awesome. Your podcast is actually one of the reasons I, I became so interested in Medusa because in one of your first episodes, you're talking about Athena. And Medusa's only kind of a minor character in that, but you get into some of the complications that make her such an interesting villain or not villain, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Yes. So unlike Liv, some of us might not know about Medusa very well. Um, At least I didn't before I started researching about Medusa. So we're going to do our fun little challenge and Liv, if you'd like to join us, please feel free to, uh, where yeah, we take turns ready for it. to do 30-second yes. summaries on the villains. And then after the episode airs, we can vote on Twitter who did a better summary. And so it's up to the masses on who's the best, which is usually me. But yeah. Yep, usually Tiana. Well, we've got a new person to compete with this time. <laughs> that's true. We'll probably lose. <laughs> God, that's have, okay. Who knows? <laughs> Good. I'll yeah. hit a new low. <laughs> you won last time, Joe, but it was because uh, I only put the poll on for one day. <laughs> that was my bad. Yeah, and there's usually only like three votes, and one of them is always me voting for myself. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. So who's going first? Okay, I guess I'll go first. You, yeah, oh. okay. Yeah, Joe has sacrificed himself. Great. All right. Three, two... I'm not even going to ask if you're ready. Three, two, one, go. Oh. Okay, Medusa is this lady who um, lives kind of off on her own. And the place where she lives is surrounded by men who are made of stone. And the reason for that is because when she looks at people, her face makes them turn to stone. And she also has hair of snakes. And she seems like she's this terrible, terrible person. But when you dig into her history, it turns out that she used to be a lovely, wonderful person who was prosecuted for something that she did not do. Thank you. covered a lot in there. I'm going to attempt to fill it. Okay, I'll go next because I'm afraid that if I hear Liv, I'll just take whatever she said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's why I went first, honestly. All All right, right. I'm ready. Three, two, one, go. So Medusa was a mortal part of like three Gorgon sisters, and she used to like be a protector of Athena, but then... Um, some, and then, but then to be a protector of Athena, you can't, you have to be a virgin and, but then Poseidon, uh, sexually assaulted her, like, um, 
you know, like, and, <laughs> and, um, and then she went to Athena and then, um, she was, and then Athena was pissed. And so she turned her into a lady with a bunch of snakes and it was not good. All right, Liv, are you excited for your first oh. 30 second intro challenge? Yeah. Not terrified at all. All right. Three, two, one, go. Okay. Medusa, uh, was a priestess of Athena and one day she was in a temple to Athena and Poseidon came up to her and he raped her because that's what Poseidon does. And Athena found out and she was so mad because it happened in her temple that she cursed Medusa with all these things. But Medusa was already a Gorgon, so she was already kind of a monster, which I always forget to mention. But because of that, she had snake hair and all this other stuff and turned people into stone. Ding, ding, ding. Wow. Yeah. You slayed that. I added more in <laughs> than I was even going to say, but there we have it. <laughs> I feel really bad because we do this every week and we still suck at it. Yeah, but I've been studying Medusa for like a decade, so it's okay. That's awesome. That's true. Greek mythology in particular seems like it's it's so convoluted and complicated. Like there's all these different competing stories. It's hard to know like for sure what the truth is. So I, it's actually probably a good thing that we all offered our own perspectives because that's kind of a reflection of how Greek mythological stories are told. Is that right? Absolutely. There's like so many different versions of everything. It's very confusing and I often have to pick one and then people tell me I'm wrong and I'm really not. There's just eight different versions of a single story. So no one's ever wrong. Mm-hmm. I like the sound of that. Yeah, yeah, it works. It fits well into the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I think we all mentioned Medusa's backstory in our intro before she became the snake-haired lady who turns people into stone. But I don't think that that's the story that most people have actually ever heard about her, or at least I never heard that story growing up. Typically, the story that we hear about Medusa most commonly is the story of Perseus. Is that right? Am I just making that up? Yeah. And I realize none of us talked about that story, which is kind of interesting, but I think that's probably the most famous one. Could you fill us in on the Perseus story? Yeah. She's definitely most famous for that time with Perseus but I think that's mostly because Perseus is more famous and she became famous because of like the fear aspect of her but so yeah Perseus was on sort of various quests all uh trying to I'm gonna forget the exact details but basically he was trying to save Andromeda from a sea monster and he needed Medusa's head to turn it into stone. And so he traveled with the help of Athena and a bunch of other things. He traveled to Medusa and yeah, basically used Athena's shield. Athena's shield was shiny enough that he could see Medusa's reflection uh, and not look at her directly. And that was how he was able to cut off her head without turning himself into stone. And then he just took her head, he put it in a bag, and then he brought it and used it on the sea monster. And then the sea monster turned to stone. And then Athena eventually put Medusa's head in her shield, which is why there's lots of pictures of Athena with a head in her shield. Oh, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, so that's definitely the most common. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that story is that because Perseus is the hero and his mission is to slay Medusa, we just automatically assume that Medusa is a villain and we have no other reason to think otherwise. And I think that growing up, any depiction I ever saw of her was her being evil, scary, terrible monster. But when you hear her backstory, she is really very sympathetic. And this made me think about a really great TED Talk that I heard a while back called The Danger of a Single Story. It's by a Nigerian writer named Chimamanda Ngazi Adichie. 
And she talks about how stories shaped the way that we understand and perceive the world. One thing specifically that she talks about is that in America, people tend to think of Africa as being this poor, underprivileged continent, when in reality, Africa is this big, complicated continent full of different countries and big cities and small cities and all sorts of different types of people. But because we only hear kind of a single story about Africa, that's the way we perceive it. And I thought that was really relevant to the Medusa story because most people only hear the story of her as a villain or a monster. Um, the story of Perseus slaying her. But if you were to hear other stories, if we had a single story from her perspective, it would change the way that we looked at her. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. It would actually be really interesting also to have a conversation about Medusa with um, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie because she is also one of the most famous and outspoken feminists of the current generation. She's awesome. Right. And there's definitely a feminist outlook to Medusa, which we'll get into a little bit. Yeah. You went over her backstory in the intro like really well, but I, I think that it's important that we spend a little more time on that story. Can you give us just a little bit more depth into what happened to her? How she became how she is? Yeah. So Medusa is a Gorgon. And so because there were three Gorgons, they're the daughters of a sea monster, actually. And so they were already kind of monstrous, but uh, they weren't exactly as we see Medusa. It's kind of it's kind of wishy-washy sometimes about what they looked like. But essentially, Medusa was, uh, I believe she was a priestess of Athena or something to that effect. And so she was in Athena's temple doing whatever she needed to do for the goddess. So she was absolutely on Athena's side. And Poseidon just came upon her and decided that he wanted her like the Greek gods often do and took her. And so she was raped by Poseidon in Athena's temple. And because of that, uh, Athena took great offense. Athena has a habit of blaming women for things that men instigate. And so she punished Medusa by turning her into a monster who turned people to stone with a, a single look and who had snakes for hair. And there's all these other descriptions that kind of vary. Sometimes they say she had wings, sometimes various other things. I've read so many different versions. But of course, the thing we know is that she had snakes for hair. And so essentially, the punishment was to make Medusa ugly and dangerous for what happened to her. And it's also mentioned that Athena was jealous of Medusa's beauty. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is probably one of those things where like people have different versions of this story. So we don't know this for sure. Do you know if Medusa only turned men into stone or all people into stone? As far as I it? know, it's all people. It's all people. Okay. I've yeah. heard different versions and I was, part of me is kind of like, oh, that's kind of badass to turn men into stone. <laughs> but <laughs> Agreed. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of a monster too. No. Me too. Um, <laughs> only men were stupid and brave enough to go try to <laughs> right well kill yeah. that's exactly it that's what i was just gonna say is like i think i think it's one of those questions we can't have the answer to because it was never made possible to figure it out so like a woman would have never encountered medusa mm. which is why we can't really know because it was only men who would ever go try to kill her because only men wanted to just go try killing somebody for no good reason touche yeah <laughs> Yeah, still true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty damn true. Right. <laughs> the most detailed telling of that version, so like her backstory and how she became that way, is in Ovid, who is fairly late Roman poet, which always makes it kind of interesting. So 
there are versions of that story that come from ancient Greece, but the most detailed uh, and the one where sort of the most uh, visceral parts of the story come from are Ovid, because he wrote Metamorphoses, which retold many of the Greek myths and the ones that the Romans had kind of taken as their own. And he just added a lot of detail uh, to them, and his work survived longer than than most others. And also, he's awesome, and that book is wonderful. I'll check it out. Yeah, it's really good. So another part towards the end of Medusa's story, when Poseidon took advantage of Medusa, not Poseidon, yes, Poseidon, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm second-guessing myself usually now. Zeus, but in this case, it's Poseidon. <laughs> when Poseidon <laughs> raped Medusa, she was impregnated, or at least yes. I'm assuming that, is that exactly was it. from that. Yep. And so fast forward to when Perseus comes to kill Medusa and he cuts her head off. What's born out of her is Pegasus. And for some reason, that part of the story just really st- strike a chord with me maybe because pegasus is so beautiful and so elegant and just a, a beautiful horse that i wish existed in real life but you can't find horses with wings in real life unfortunately darn it and i kind of thought of this as like a metaphor to help understand her more or to at least feel for her more is it's kind of like a symbol that what was inside Medusa all along was beauty and elegance and radiance and whatever adjectives describe Pegasus. And it's almost like this thing that beauty and elegance can come out of destruction and even out of a curse. I don't know. I just thought, so inside of her, she she was just masked by a curse. And when she was opened up, that appeared out of her and was made known. And Pegasus is like an extension of her in a way that helps us feel more. <laughs> feel for her more yeah i think that's a really a good way of looking at it you can also kind of argue that he's not really poseidon's child right. and that he just came from medusa and he's all hers which i kind of like better yeah poseidon is the god of horses so that's a bit of a stretch but <laughs> still because um, especially because it's not like she gave birth after nine months or whatever it was right it took her death for Pegasus to be born. Yeah, it's what was deep inside of her when people kept seeing this monster and this ugliness about her. She was truly Pegasus. What I like about that metaphor is that it's like this punishment was put upon her and she's almost like trapped in the world and she finally is kind of like set free by her death and the beauty from within is able to emerge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's really nice. It's a nice way of thinking about what is ultimately an awful story. Yeah, Yeah, and it is an awful story. It's one that I think is all too familiar. I, I think there, there are a lot of kind of real world comparisons, especially right now, that we can draw from the Medusa story. When I first heard this story, I think I mentioned earlier, was from your podcast. Thank Liv, you. And I was listening to it back in November, which was very recently after the Kavanaugh hearings. And it was really difficult not to draw the comparison between Medusa and Christine Blasey Ford, who was a victim who ultimately ended up getting punished in the the media for something that was done to her by a male attacker. And you can even kind of draw a similar comparison between Kavanaugh and Poseidon in this really, really powerful position. And being a man, he comes out of the incident pretty much unscathed and still in the position of power. She still got the job. Mm-hmm. What was that to be a... What job did he get? <laughs> a judge? Supreme Court. <laughs> Who cares? Supreme Court. Um, he doesn't deserve it, whatever it was. 
<laughs> I think that's a really cool comparison because Medusa was punished for what a man did. And women can oftentimes be looked at as evil and career records for coming out and saying what a man did to them. And Medusa felt this unfortunate consequence when she went to Athena and then she felt the consequence of coming out and saying that she was a victim of what happened to her. Kind of like how Christine went to court to say, this is what happened. Please, you know, don't put him in this job. Uh, but then she was dragged to the media and, and Medusa was cursed. And there's an article that's written by a Spokane author who talks about Greek mythology. This is a New York Times article by Sharma Shields called Make Me a Cold and Pitiless Goddess. And she mentions Medusa in this. She also mentions Artemis, who like killed a man for spying on her while she was bathing and also defied her father's wishes to get married. And she was considered a cold and pitiless goddess. She was considered kind of like rough around the edges where people didn't like her as much, kind of like how Medusa and Christine are like these people who come out and defy the patriarchy. But as women, you know, we want to keep trying to defy that and be women who come out and say what men have done, call people out on their wrongdoing, and try to push against the chances of those consequences happening. So... I don't know. I guess that's just another way to relate with her. <laughs> that was just a conglomerate of thoughts, but yeah. I'll find a way. Do you get what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I, I like the, I'm going to read this article. Um, yeah. It seems like it's really interesting. Well, and on top of the media kind of so-called punishment for um, Dr. Blasey Ford, she completely ignoring what the media did or did not say about her. Like she still needs protection all the time. And last I heard, she couldn't return to her job as a professor all because of the way she's still being treated for wow. just coming forward and trying to say yeah this person you want to uh, be one of the most powerful people in the country you know tried to rape me when I was in high school and is essentially a drunk and yeah so I mean the punishment spans so much she was dragged through the media but then also in terms of real life what we for we don't hear about anymore is just that I don't even think she still has a regular life. She hasn't been able to go back to that, whereas, you know, he's on the Supreme Court. And this is just one very specific high-profile example of this, but unfortunately, you could really kind of draw the Medusa-Poseidon comparison to a lot of different people in a lot of different situations. There's a big risk to coming out and naming your attacker. Absolutely. For, for just about anyone in any situation. And little to no reward, which people, you know, on the internet are always saying things like, well, what does she get out of this? Well, she's getting fame for accusing this man. And that's never the case ever. No woman ever wants to be famous for saying she was raped, you know, mm -hmm. but that's always the accusation there. It's, it's dark. Right. Yeah. And we can, can relate to Medusa and understand what has happened to her when we can think about our own experiences and coming out to bring light to something bad that's happened to us and bring light to bad things that even men have done. It kind of furthers that empathy to understand where she's coming from. Absolutely. And just the being punished for something that you didn't do, even mm -hmm. aside from the, you know, aspects related to sexual assault and everything. It's the, you were the one punished completely for something you did not instigate. Yeah. And one thing that just kind of occurred to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, I would think you can kind of view Medusa kind of heroically 
in that she didn't take her rage. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And go out and just like kill thousands and thousands of terrible men in the world. She went away and men really only died because they were coming trying to kill her. Yeah. Um, and I think if you if if I was her, I would be so angry. And I I don't know if I could stop myself from going on a little bit of a killing spree while I'm if I'm going to be this terrible villain. Why not go kill some of these people who made me this way? Mm-hmm. Uh, but she goes and hides. Yeah, absolutely. I've never actually thought of it that way. That's completely true. Like. I think it would be pretty safe to say that most other characters in Greek mythology would take that anger out on everyone they could possibly find. But yeah, she does go and just hide. And the only people that she does end up harming are those people who have come there to harm her. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And even even then, it's not like she has a choice about turning them to stone. Absolutely. You just have to look at them. You just literally are saying, oh, I'm just there. And now you're dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And just thinking about like how hopeless it would feel to like know that if you looked at anyone, you would kill them. Man, what a bad curse. Yeah. Well, and there are some versions of the story, thankfully, that do say that she's there with her sisters. So whether it's that she doesn't turn them specifically to stone or because they're not humans, they're gorgons, that they are not turned into stone. But there are some versions that say Perseus actually had to kill Medusa, but get rid of, I don't think he killed the other gorgons, but sort of defeated them and and then killed Medusa. So in some versions, she's not 100% alone, though, mostly alone still. Yeah, well, I've already completely about faced on any inclinations that she's really a villain at all yeah i would say she's only a villain in the representations of her not in right. the actual mm-hmm. story yeah that's a good way to put it yeah. right and she can be represented in different ways through our pop culture too 
And she is and she, often. That's my favorite. Is often in many different ways. Because when I was just Googling about Medusa, I saw like pictures of her painted in a very positive light where she's kind of more human and um, and calm. But then there are other pictures of her where she's just very ugly and monstrous. And, and I know she was drawn kind of comically in like ancient Greek artifacts, but then some pop culture has also become a little more sympathetic to her when they portray her. Mostly like in pictures. There's a lot of paintings about her. (laughs) I was just Googling one of them. There's a really amazing painting of her by Caravaggio um, from the Renaissance that shows her in sort of both ways, I would say. She she looks crazy, but at the same time, she looks really feminine and and still kind of beautiful in an interesting sort of way. There was a song that I discovered on my way on my drive to work one day and it was um it was like an example of like Medusa being shown very positively and I kind of listened to the lyrics and realized it was like Kaylee Morg's Medusa song and I hadn't even heard of her before this Medusa song <laughs> and um and it's it's like Medusa talking to her to say you have to keep being hopeful and fighting in this bad in bad situations And I thought that was interesting because that kind of showed more of a sympathetic light on Medusa. And so there's a lot of like pop culture that shows her pretty positively. You've also got some femme fatale going on, which is like a fancy word that I recently learned. Um, And maybe it's French. I don't know. But it is. Yeah. How like in... A lot of pop culture, she's like seen as very powerful, but also, but very sexy. So there's like a picture of Rihanna as Medusa on like a cover of a magazine, which looks at her pretty positively. But that also can be an issue too when society is showing that you're sexy for other people's eyes, showing that you're powerful, but not too powerful. Well, it's 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 interesting that a powerful woman would be compared to, or we draw comparisons between them and a powerful monster, Medusa, whereas a powerful man might draw comparisons to Zeus to draw from mythology again. Yeah, it's interesting that powerful women are not perceived in even remotely the same way. Powerful men are the heroes, the the good ones. And yeah, powerful women have pretty awful adjectives used to describe them or be compared to these monsters or anything like that. You know, it's, it's definitely a pretty insane double standard. Right. And so I see Medusa's kind of being used as like when you show that tightrope of a woman in power needs to be like smart, but not too smart or likable. They always likable, but not. Yeah, (laughs) right. Exactly. Like you're assertive, but you're not um, aggressive. You're and and men are the ones and the media are the ones who are like determining what that threshold is. And I can see like Medusa being dragged through the mud along with all of these powerful women in the media. I think a lot of women can also relate to her because we've been dragged through the mud to to be seen as too bossy or too powerful or too this or too that. In the media, what's interesting is that very powerful women, their faces will be photoshopped onto Medusa's face. So like Hillary Clinton's, Nancy Pelosi, Angela Merkel's. And it's shown in like this really negative light that they're so scary and monstrous and bitchy and awful. And so it's like both Medusa and women, powerful women are just being looked at in this like negative light, which in a way kind of helps us relate to her, unfortunately. But then we can also take that and look at it positively in that Medusa is like the first nasty woman. And so we're we're now trying to embrace the fact that 
people look at us this way and be like, damn right, please look at me as I'm too bossy because you bet I am. And we're going to cut this tightrope that we're balancing on. And yeah, it's just another way to relate to Medusa because we're both bitches and monstrous. And in a, in a way, that's also awesome. And we have to stop people from saying that that's not. <laughs> Absolutely. I wear a coin necklace of Medusa every day because I just love having it there. And when I bought it in Greece, they were saying that they would use it as a form of protection, actually. So even the ancient Greeks would use that image of Medusa as a form of protection. And so, yeah, I think it's absolutely important that we all just sort of take back that ability to be whatever the hell we want. Right. You know, men are never too too strong, too outspoken, too whatever. And so, yeah, I think I think she's a great example of taking back something that has been seen as problematic when it doesn't does not need to be. Yeah. And if you scroll down more on here, and I'll probably post this on like Twitter or something, but like it has some of the pictures, the pictures where they <laughs> Yeah, where they photoshopped Hillary Clinton's face onto Medusa's when Perseus, and then it's Trump's face as Perseus. Which shows, oh, look at this bitch that I have control of now. And it's it's really disheartening. <laughs> it's gross. Yeah. It is. It is. And it's like, if I were Hillary Clinton, I, I would be like, well, Medusa, we've been going through this of men thinking we're too this, too that, too aggressive. Maybe we are the same person, but we're going to tell them that we are. They don't have to tell us. Yeah. yeah. I'm very proud to be an angry feminist everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> right. So um, this whole episode has been about Medusa, but I want to talk about Athena really quick. The reason why I want to talk about Athena too is that the point of this podcast is to kind of see different perspectives and understand different characters and their point of view. So Athena, now people who listen to this podcast and really get a feel for Medusa's story, people who think about Athena now are probably like pretty pissed at her, which is understandable because Athena basically just disregarded Medusa's call for help and turned her into a monster with snakes. And Athena should not have d done that. So I'm not trying to say Athena is like 100% good or whatever. And we should still be ticked at Athena. On the other hand, I read a lot of articles from The Guardian, from The Atlantic, and even like, you know, Psychology Today about how like in this patriarchal world. So we live in a patriarchal world right now. And so did the realm of Greek mythology, um, as you know, <laughs> way better than I do. <laughs> Women are trying to navigate this male dominated world. And when that happens, when men are trying to say, are trying to discern for women, whether they're pretty enough or smart enough or likable enough, women tend to get in conflict with one another and kind of fight against each other to be seen as powerful and or to be seen as equal as men. And so some women, and I'm sure I'm guilty of this too, have been guilty of putting another woman's concerns aside so that she can get farther advanced to be liked by men in this patriarchal society. And so to me, when Medusa went to Athena, I can see how Athena would have thought of what happened to Medusa as a a barrier from Athena being seen as powerful because now she doesn't have another protector. And it's a barrier to being accepted by the gods and becoming equal to them. And I could kind of see where she just lashed out at Medusa to kind of help herself in navigating this world of trying to be good enough and trying to be powerful enough in this world of the male gods. So it's, it's, it kind of reminded me how 
just this is just an example. Like I'm in college, right? And if like one of my friends comes up to me and says, I um, was sexually assaulted by this guy in my dorm room the other night. But then in this in this environment, I want to be accepted by that guy and his friends because they're the most popular and, and they're looked at as more smart and, and most liked by everyone on college campus. So then I disregard what she said and don't help her and just move along to try to reach this equality with men. And then I do that at my friend's expense. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, we come up in this world sort of, it's it's one against another because because we are sort of all against, it, it, basically the world was made for men. And so we, as women, have to navigate it in different ways. And it often ends up that we compete in ways that we, that we wouldn't choose to if we were sort of more aware of the situation. Uh, I think it's, it's really interesting what you're saying too, because Athena, I get accused not too often, but often enough of, of hating on Athena too much. I once had somebody send me a message. They were so angry with how I talk about her sort of in a way that it seemed like they might actually worship her in real life, which is really interesting in itself, but they were just so angry about it. And I don't have any issue with Athena. I think she's wonderful and her general concept is incredible and she was the most powerful woman in all of Greek mythology and that's amazing. But she, the stories of her were primarily passed down by men and so she becomes on the side of men. And whether that was true back then or whether women in ancient Greece had this different version of Athena that they were able to worship and who was on their side, we don't really know because the stories do get passed down by the men and by the patriarchy. And so Athena is this woman who helps men and punishes women and and that is because she was considered to be one of the men. She was the woman who was manly enough to be among the rest of the gods. And so mm-hmm. that inherently meant she was against women because women were not the same. She was like, she was the man's goddess. And it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And so like to kind of remain at that powerful status along with male gods, it's almost, again, she's trying to take their side at the expense of a woman to keep competing and be seen as equal to men. She had to be one of the men and and had to do that by going against women exactly in that way of the competition and just no holds barred, you know, do whatever you have to do to be one of the guys because that's essentially how you could survive in ancient Greece as a woman. Right. And in some ways survive now. Absolutely. Not as yeah. Not, not as, as much. But it's but... <laughs> not much better, <laughs> hence happens. why my podcast exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think people should be even more pissed at Poseidon. I mean That's the thing, right? He's he one did, that it. did it all. It's the same with Zeus and all his everything. But he's never punished either. Of course not. Okay. To extend your dorm metaphor. You're Medusa in the dorm, mm-hmm. and you go to the RA, Athena, to make a complaint. In the Medusa story, the metaphor would be that RA Athena sends you to a dorm on the far side of campus with freshmen, and so you have to leave all the friends that you know in your dorm. But the complicated part is that RA Athena lives on the floor or lives in the dorm with this guy that you made the complaint about and has to maintain her position and her relationship. Or he's like a track star. He's like the, you know, the captain of the football team. I don't know how those things work, Mm -hmm. but you know, he's, he's somebody that has power. It's like, 
that swimmer at Stanford who was a complete rapist and very well acknowledged to be such, but he was a swimmer. And so the judge gave him two months. You know, there are these things that Mm -hmm. men can have that make them um, inherently one up women. So the women's opinion doesn't matter because of whatever it might be that that the man has going for them, that it completely, you know, negates whatever the woman has to say. It, It goes along well with that metaphor of, yeah, the, you know, the mm-hmm. RA is trying to keep the sports star happy. And so you get sent to the dorm in the middle of nowhere, you know? Yep. You're the one who's punished. Yeah. yeah. I, mm-hmm. I was trying, I was trying to build sympathy for RA Athena. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I threw that under <laughs> the bus. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so RA Athena to keep her job and not tick yeah. off administration. Yes. That's right? what I was trying to get to. Yeah. Like the, the track yeah, because sometimes even upper administration co- will have power over you to have a certain action be done. And you can't really do much about that because you want to keep your job and you want to be seen as, as a good RA to administration because they're the ones who control your salary and, and control whether you get a promotion and all that jazz. And so you punish in order to keep your job, which a lot of people listening to this podcast right now might be like, well... I wouldn't do that. I would be the RA who steps up and challenges administration. And I just got to say, that's way easier said than done. So that's another way to look at Athena, because if people were like, oh, if I were Athena, I would defy Poseidon. Yeah? Well, what kind of consequences does Athena have to not be powerful, to be killed by Poseidon, to be exiled by by Poseidon? It's just this whole, like, snowball effect. Yes, absolutely. Um. What else we got here? I think I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. We should before we end, we should each give a a real world takeaway that we learned. Oh yeah. From our I forgot about conversation that. about Medusa. I like <laughs> yeah, I know. I completely forgot about it too. I was like, how do we end this episode? Oh man. Can I go first? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> Believe women. It's simple. Yay. <laughs> Mine doesn't have much to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a guy. I mean, that's a good yeah. one. I think yeah. it's important now, and I think it comes <laughs> completely from the story of Medusa. Believe women. Okay, mine's going to be like kind of an extension on that, which is believe women and investigate stories that are only told from a single perspective, particularly if it lifts up a powerful man. Investigate from the side of but believing versus the side of mm-hmm. disbelief. Mm-hmm. My takeaway is that. A lot of times I am a little afraid about coming off as too aggressive. I even like know not to do that, but it's so in my DNA to like check every single word that I say. When I'm at work and I need to tell someone to get something done, I'm like, oh, how's that going? Oh, is that, uh, oh, I was just checking in. (laughs) And (laughs) I do the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, and this is common, like so many people have talked about this, where women have to be like, very polite. I guess my takeaway is that even if I think I may have come off as aggressive, even if they think that I'm aggressive, I should actually kind of take that as a good as a good thing. Maybe they think that's bad that I came off as aggressive. But actually, I was just assertive, and they blow it up to be aggressive. And so I should be proud that they think of me aggressive because that means that I was just assertive and I was doing my job. They're probably just scared, fragile men yeah. <laughs> worried about losing their power right. to you. We're coming for it. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we've had a great, great conversation today. Yeah. I think this is one of the most interesting that we've done. Good. It's been super fun. I'm so glad we did this. We actually have a poem to share. Oh, yeah. Which we're going to end the episode with. It was sent in by one of our listeners. And we also had someone send us a short monologue written from Medusa's perspective. And unfortunately, we just weren't able to get it recorded in time to release for this episode. But I'd really like to share it at some point. And for anyone who's listening to this episode now, if you've been inspired to write something, a poem, short story, monologue, any type of creative endeavor, feel free to share it with us. And if we get a few more of them, maybe we can even release like a bonus episode just to share them. I think that would be really cool. Our email is nextdoorvillain at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at nextdoorvillain. And finally, before the poem, Liv, I just want to thank you again for being here and give you the opportunity to do a little shout out for your podcast. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. It's the first time I've been a part of another podcast. So it's been great. Yeah. For listeners, I host the podcast, Let's Talk About Myths, Baby, which I normally sing, but uh, I'm not going to right now. And <laughs> it's a podcast about Greek mythology by myself, which makes this today's a little bit different for me, where I retell stories from Greek mythology. I have a habit of calling out men for being awful and calling out women for when they are awful to other women. But I also deeply, deeply love the mythology to a level of crazy person that, you know, can, I don't even know. I deeply love the mythology. Yeah. So, you know, you can listen to me wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm on all the things. Great. That's what I all guess. All the things. Yeah. All the things. Many things. So many things. So many things. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And here to close out the episode is Nick Davis reading his poem, Letter to Medusa. Dear Medusa, you are the being of mythological nightmares, but I know your story was different. See, you were beautiful once until man made you a monster, not giving two fucks that you were a victim first. Yes, you, beautiful Medusa, became the victim of a god's human lust and a goddess's unnecessary vengeful wrath. The story goes, Poseidon preyed on you like a shark and robbed you of everything. But somehow, by the strength of women, you remained beautiful. And then, to top it all off, Athena, that Judas to all women, looked at you without mercy, understanding, or an ounce of compassion, turned you into the monster. And thus began the ancient tradition of victim-blaming, somehow always leaving the dick off the hook, the powerful in charge. Medusa, I understand you now, and somehow I wish mythology gave us another hero, one who would enter your house with all that was denied you. I'd imagine he'd remove his helmet, place his weapon on the ground, and declare with true regret in his heart, Medusa, I'm sorry, and I'm listening. Once again, that was Nick Davis with A Letter to Medusa. As always, this podcast was recorded and produced by us, Joe Anderson and Christiana Hennings. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at NextdoorVillain or our email address nextdoorvillain at gmail.com. We love to hear from you, so feel free to reach out and we'll be back again in two weeks with our next episode. Thanks for listening.
LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.